Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. I am doing something I've never done before when recording, I think, any podcast, and that is I am standing up. And <laughs> that is because I'm holding baby Micah in the ergo, and he's just a little bit fussy, but as long as I'm kind of rocking back and forth and standing, he's calm. So we'll see how long this lasts. Jesse, we had a big week. Yeah. Our kids started school this week, and so Monday, it was a big day because not only do we have a seventh grader and a junior, but it's our very first time to have a senior. Yep. I still don't know quite what I feel about that. I don't know. For me, it hasn't quite sunk in, but it's, you know, I don't quite feel old enough to have a senior, but... I'm enjoying it. I think it's this really sweet season. It's this mm-hmm. really sweet season to see your work and effort and all those years that you poured into parenting kind of come to fruition mm-hmm. in the sense that she's so independent. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need us for much of anything anymore other than just being a sounding board, being her cheerleader, and just having conversations, being there, being present with her. But I didn't think that it would hit me. And then all these emails started coming out from the school about (laughs) their last this and their last that and all these things about graduation. And I'm thinking, hold up. We're just, we are just in August right now. We don't need to be thinking about graduation next year. That's a long time away. Let me just enjoy August. But I appreciate the moms who are very on the ball and planners because Mm -hmm. we need them in our midst. But all those emails kind of struck me like, oh, this is the last. Yeah. Well, and there's all sorts of things that have to be done now for later for graduation. Who knew? I know. (laughs) There's a lot of things. But I'm excited about so much of this year. It is very interesting to have a senior and a newborn. (laughs) And someone wrote in the other day, and I thought this was a really interesting perspective, Jesse, because, you know, we've made it really public that Micah is our last biological child. Mm -hmm. And someone said, you know, as you are enjoying your or just making sure to stop and appreciate and celebrate the last, um, the, you know, like the first last basically is what she said. Make sure that you're also being present for the last first. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way to put it. And she said that she just in her life kind of, I think she had multiple children and a wide age range. And she said that she wishes she would have taken more time to just really stop and appreciate Mm -hmm. and celebrate and be in the moment for those last first. Did I say that right? Yes. So like the, the first time that he 
smiles the first time that he coos the first time that he rolls over, you know, just really making sure that we are appreciating that as well. Cause she was talking about how her older kids, her first kids, you just like get so excited about those things. And she wishes that she had been more excited about Mm -hmm. those first for her younger kids as well. I thought that that was a really interesting perspective and it kind of feels like emotional whiplash (laughs) in a sense, just so many big feelings. And Monday, not only did we send out, you know, our kids for their first day of school, we had our first senior, but then it was also baby D's TPR Mm -hmm. trial, which for those of you who aren't in the adoption foster care world, TPR stands for termination of parental rights, which it's feels so harsh. I don't even like to use that language because it is, it's, it's a really strong phrase, Um, but it's part of the process. And so his mom had surrendered Like we talked about, she had surrendered her rights because she is very grateful and excited for us to be adopting him, but um, dad has not been in the picture. Mm -hmm. And so part of the process of him transferring complete and full custody over to the state so that he can then move to be adopted is that dad's rights also need to be terminated. And so it was a very straightforward, Mm -hmm. simple I don't even know how long in court because they said we didn't even need to go. (laughs) Well, I honestly, I think if mom had not surrendered, it would, the process would have been a little bit more drawn out because she's here and has been involved. Um, But she voluntarily surrendered. And then if um, the reason it was so simple was because dad's never been in the picture Mm -hmm. and we don't even think he's around this area. So, a lot of times it becomes much more complicated and complex when parents are, birth parents are involved and they are trying to work their plan mm-hmm. in some sense, but then they'll relapse or um, there will be things that they will not do on their plan or choices that they make that are concerning. Right. And so then the state has to decide you know, do we move forward in the direction of trying for reunification? Do we continue to move in that direction or do we move toward termination of rights? Mm -hmm. And it can be really sticky. And then if sometimes birth parents will be, you know, making some really poor choices that can be very dangerous for the child, but they also want to be involved in the child's life. And so they are fighting for reunification at the same time. And so it becomes extremely complicated and, this type of TPR process can be just kind of a gut-wrenching sort of thing. Well, and and it's long and drawn out for a very particular reason. And that is parental rights are very, very important. Mm -hmm. And you don't remove them and take them away lightly. Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult process to go through, both Mm -hmm. legally and and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And it should be. And I can't even imagine being some of my friends who have walked some really hard situations where you are, you know, you want to be cheering so much for the birth parents. And yet you're Mm -hmm. also having to advocate for your child that is in your home that you're fostering. And so it just becomes this very difficult thing for your heart to -hmm. walk through. And so we didn't have that because mom from the get go has said, I cannot take care of him. I need a family who has the ability 
not only the resources, but so many other things, mm-hmm. lives closer to the hospital, um, understands English. Um, and and you know, from things- the get-go, she was very much cheering for us to adopt him. Yes, from the very first time we met her. And so she is just, I mean, I hate to use the word thrilled, but she's just constantly telling us, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for loving my boy. Thank you so much for, um, you know, just being in his life. And she, we love to get to send her pictures and videos. And so it's, it's a very different thing because it's, she, he isn't in foster care because she made poor choices or that sort of thing. It was just, she understood her limits and was saying, I cannot even though the government tried very hard to provide her with resources, mm-hmm. you know, finally recognizing she knew what was best for him and made the most, I can't even imagine, gut-wrenchingly loving choice to say, I need another family. So anyway, our situation is it's very different than many. And so for many, a TPR trial would be a much different sort of thing. But for us, there were so many emotions, though, because you just think of the gravity of what this is. And you just think of, like you said, termination of parental rights. That is a big, weighty thing. Mm -hmm. And so there were just a lot of emotions, a lot of big feelings on Monday with that as well. And then Monday also happened to be the day that I left Micah for the first time for more than just an hour and a half. I had left him for five hours. I had this really important meeting that somehow I had happened to schedule on the same day as the TPR trial and the first day of school did not realize it. And then there were so many different people involved that we had to follow through with it. But so Monday was a big day. Jesse, we watched a really interesting movie. It was on the cave rescue and Thailand, how many years ago was that? It was only a couple of years ago. I just remember kind of the whole world was, well, a lot of the world at least was riveted by this story of these boys that went into this cave with their coach. They were a soccer team. Yeah, and it would have had to have been more like three or four years ago with COVID. I mean, this COVID just totally changes the whole yes. thinking of, of when something occurred. It was pre-COVID. Yeah. And so they went in and then everyone probably remembers the story, but that they got trapped in there because it started raining and the monsoon rains came early. And this cave had a lot of different levels in it. And so when the water would come in, it filled up so that they couldn't get back out. So you found this one on Amazon Mm-hmm. That was the documentary, and that was called Cave Rescue. I don't know. Was that, was that actually, I don't think that was actually a documentary. It was actually a movie, but it was, it, it had everybody, not everybody, it had a lot of people that were actually involved in the rescue in the movie. Yes. And their acting skills weren't quite up to par. That's probably why it felt like it was yeah, not that's a movie. Yeah, that's why it felt like it was a documentary, but it wasn't. And so we watched it and it was interesting, but it was very hard to follow. Yes. I felt like it could have been so good, but it just missed the mark in so many ways, but we did learn a lot yeah. from it. And then I think did you stumble upon No, I think Silas did. I think they had actually heard about the 
movie, the other movie right. that Amazon had that just came out recently called 13 Lives. Mm-hmm. And that did not have the actual people in it, but mm-hmm. it was much better in the acting department. Yeah, and the, the and, whole production was was a whole lot better. And the script of it was much more well-written, so it was much easier to follow. It was, but it was really interesting to compare the two because you could, you, I mean, it's following the same timeline, the same line of events that that happened. So you could see the parallels between the two. And I felt like it was, it made 13 lives more interesting because we had watched the other mm-hmm. one because yeah. we had some of the backstory from that, that wasn't in 13 lives. So it made 13 lives richer, but it was just very hard to even imagine what that would be like. And it, you know, we all know the outcome of this movie and yet I was holding my breath in some places. Yes, definitely. Because you just were like, well, maybe there's something that goes wrong that I don't remember. And in both of them, I was that I, because I did not watch all of the 13 lives, but I did watch the other, the other I one. I couldn't fall asleep. It was so good. It was so well done. And I, after you woke up the next morning, I said, you have to go back and watch that. But I guess that there is a, actual documentary that was done mm-hmm. that is by National Geographic and it is available on Disney Plus, people told me. Okay. I, I want to look and see if it's other places because we don't have a Disney Plus subscription. But I heard from so many people who said it was very well done and you would want to watch the two together. And it went into some things that neither one of those really? did, which it explained a lot of why it was so dangerous for them to was it called put the boys under to be able to take them out of the cave and just how risky that was. And it went into a lot of detail of that. And so it made the movie much more interesting because you recognized Mm. how big of a deal this was and how scary uh, this all was and how concerned the people were that this wasn't going to work. Interesting. So we'll have to, Find that and watch it. And also we have, we love well done, well scripted, well acted, either movies that are based upon real life events or a documentary that is kind of movie like. So if anyone has great suggestions, we welcome them. I'm kind of compiling a list right now that I want to be watching through, especially with Silas. He really loves that sort of thing. And you and I do too. And Mm -hmm. so we've, we've watched so many movies with the girls that he wasn't old enough to watch yet. And so now I'm having fun. He's at that stage where we can really enjoy them Mm -hmm. together and he can watch movies that are a little bit scarier. Speaking of which, I would say 13 Lives. A lot of people asked me when I shared about it on Instagram, they said, is it something that would be appropriate for your whole family to watch? Right. And it's, I would say it's definitely PG-13, just in the sense of that it's intense mm-hmm. and it's real. There's some kind of just a bit of graphic, not to the level of something that's gory or anything, but just if you have a child who is under 13, who gets scared or is very sensitive, I think that it you would I would recommend you watch it first just to you know your child best. Mm-hmm. So we will link to both of those in the show notes and let us know, email in if you have any other recommendations of similar movies or if you've watched either of them, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well. 
So we got an email recently, Jesse, that I've been <laughs> hanging on to that I have wanted to read to you over and over again because I thought this was so fascinating. If you remember two podcasts ago, you and I were talking about sleep and we were talking about the whole concept of how taping your mouth, the mouth taping thing we talked uh-huh, about. Right. We need to link to that podcast in the show notes. Um, I hate to say mouth taping without giving the whole context for it, but, <laughs> but we were talking about sleep and how just you brought up like REM sleep and you were talking about being paralyzed when you are in REM, REM sleep. sleep. Is mm-hmm. that correct? That's okay. what we were told. So we, I got this really interesting response from someone and she said, this is from Becky. She said, I've never tried the mouth taping thing. I'm nervous to do that. But in regards to being paralyzed when in REM sleep, I deal with sleepwalking, which is considered a disorder because those of us who sleepwalk, our bodies don't get paralyzed in REM. So we physically respond to our dreams. Okay. Did you know that? No. So sleepwalking is actually a response to the dreams. That's what she's saying. So, so you're actually living, walking through your dreams. That's what she's saying. So, so it's a considered a disorder okay. because it's, I guess, dangerous. Yeah, that would be dangerous. For you to not be paralyzed Especially when you're in like REM if, sleep. If you're dreaming about walking off a cliff or something. Because... I've heard of people uh-huh. walking out their front door oh, yeah, and walking yeah. long ways. and But I just had never, ever thought of it as anything more than just, oh, just some people just get up in their sleep. But no, I guess. I'd love to hear from anyone else who sleepwalks. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Say sleepwalks. Or they have a child who does. If you have researched this, if you are someone who has understanding and knowledge of all things sleep and REM sleep and sleepwalking. I'd love to hear because I need to research this more, but I just thought it was fascinating and I've been thinking about it a lot. Speaking of emails from our listeners, this email came in from Allison and I thought it would be a really good one for you and I to discuss on the podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I wrote down some of my thoughts, but she said, I just listened to your podcast here on helping kids with goal setting. We will link to that in the show notes. It was two podcasts ago. And she said, I noted your advice to parents to model goal setting for your kids. She said, I was wondering if you have any resources on determining a good way to goal set for personality type. I have actually had a very difficult time setting goals on a consistent basis and I'm trying to discern if it's just a lazy, I don't feel like it viewpoint I have towards it (laughs) or if I'm doing the wrong way for me. I've read your book several years ago on organization and goal setting. I also listened to the this organizational conference that I had encouraged people to sign up for. It was a free one. And then also she said, I bought their $50 planner, like the 10th nice planner I've spent money on before realizing I'm an Apple calendar person. I've used your goal printout from your website. I've listened to part of Atomic Habits and I get all stressed out because it all sounds so complicated. So in this super long run-on sentence, I'm just trying to say, I don't even know my own personality towards goal setting and organization. It's something I long to excel at though. And she was wondering if we have any advice or resources that we could point her to that would help her with this. So Jesse, just as you hear that email, what are the thoughts that come to your mind first? So the first thing I was wondering, because she, so is based upon personality style, but she doesn't necessarily know her personality style as far as probably the way that 
motivator is what I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm reading it. So I'm wondering if when she looks at a project, does she see all the little things that need to be done and become overwhelmed by it? Or can she take and see the big project as a whole and focus on those individual little pieces that make the whole project? Because we have, we've got one child that's like that, that if she's got this project in front of her, that's got a lot of little pieces, she gets severely overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. And to the point where I'm not going to work on it because Mm -hmm. it's too overwhelming. It's not until you break it down to the bite-sized pieces and you assign a certain time period for each one of those pieces. And like the, the Pomodoro method was amazing for her when it came to doing these projects. If you're not familiar with it, it's the 20 minutes on, 10 minutes off system of doing work. And it's amazing how it increases um, focus and allows you just to be zoned in on that 20 minutes because you know I've got 10 minutes that I can then go and read a book that I want to read or do whatever and then come back and be laser focused again for the next 20 minutes. That's a way that you can. and, And so what I'm thinking is, Maybe that is something that would help her to be able to drill down into what those goals are. And and instead of seeing all those as one big project, looking at the small individual goals and and tackling those individually. Well, and I was thinking, first off, does she even understand what a goal is? And that sounds Mm -hmm. like such a basic question, but I think sometimes we look at what someone else has set as a goal and we think that's the only way that goal setting works. Right. And so we assume that we have to set this massively huge goal. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to pay down $50,000 worth of debt. I'm going to, you know, run 350 miles in the next year. I guess I just did a, or did run a marathon, but right. I just feel like we can think that is the only way to do goal setting. I love John Acuff in one of his books. He talks about cut your goal in half. And so start with very simple goals. And I would say pick one. If the idea of goal setting feels so overwhelming, so complex, so frustrating, and you feel just like you can't even start because the mountain is too large, then cut your mountain in half Mm -hmm. or cut it in smaller pieces than that. Make the mountain into a molehill. I also wanted to recommend Gretchen Rubin has a book called The Four Tendencies where she talks about what learning what, how you're motivated and how others are motivated. And so she breaks it into four separate motivators and kind of helps you to determine which is your motivational mode, I guess you could say. And so that can help you to figure out, are you motivated in a way by outside sources? Mm -hmm. So if you have outside accountability, is that going to motivate you? Is it your inner source where you are just personally kind of wired in a way where you will motivate yourself. I kind of have some of both. I'm very driven as a person, but I also find that if I put my goals in a public manner, like we shared our goals for the fall and I keep thinking about that over and Mm -hmm. over, putting it out there, not only putting it in writing, but making it public, telling someone about it 
for me, that solidifies it and helps me to stay on track. So figuring that out. But then I would also say, what excites you? Yeah. Not only what motivates you, but what excites you. Because if you're not excited about your goal, if it just feels overwhelming, you're probably not going to follow through with it. Mm-hmm. And then you could feel like you're lazy, but maybe it's just because you picked the wrong goal. You know, you could make a goal of setting a goal and then you can cross it off and move on. That's true. So your goal would just be, I'm going to set a goal. Uh-huh. So, so, so you'd have to actually- you, you have it completed. You'd have to set a goal though. Right. You have to set another when, goal. Okay. Yeah. But you didn't have to follow through with that goal. You yeah. just have to set a goal. Yeah. And okay. you can tell somebody you set a goal. I think that's more like a to-do, but, you know, a task, but okay. That's, it's okay. A, a, it works. Know, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. You know, what is a goal? And then also I was, you know, recognizing that she's buying all of these products, thinking that that's going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Like there's a magic ticket out there and those types of products. I mean, I just finished a book. That's about time management. And I'm going to share what works for me when it comes to time management. And I'm very excited about it. But I recognize that it's not the book that's going to fix anyone. It's not Mm -hmm. the book that's going to change anyone. It could help change your mindset. But I very much address this in the book saying, this book won't change your life Mm -hmm. if you don't get up and change your life. So you have to have that inner and outer motivation and that follow through. And so if you just pick a goal based upon, well, that's what other people are doing. That's Mm -hmm. what works for them. So I should do that too. That's probably not going to keep you motivated. That's probably not going to excite you. And so thinking about something that's really going to be exciting and motivating to you. Yeah, that's the problem when you get somebody else's system and you try to make it your own. You don't have the wherewithal. Well, maybe wherewithal is not the right word. You don't have the motivation to keep it yourself because it's not your system. And I think it's also not going to bring you joy Mm -hmm. and fulfillment because you're trying to live someone else's life. Mm -hmm. And I think she, she recognizes that. So just figure out what makes you tick. And what could be that spur to get you on the, on the right path? And so I would say, keep it simple, break it down and not, don't even take the big goal and break it down and then say, okay, my goal is the big goal. I would break it down and say, my goal is this bite-sized piece mm-hmm. and I'm just going to focus on this. So maybe you want to run a marathon. Let's say that your goal is I'm going to finish the couch to 5k program and that's what I'm going to do. And then you're going to set up a plan. So it's not enough to just set a goal. You need a plan for when you're going to do it Mm -hmm. and where you're going to do it and how you're going to do it. So let's say you're, you decide I'm going to follow through with the couch to 5k program. Well, when Every day or every week, are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? By do you have the running shoes? Do you have running clothes? Okay, set those out the night before. Have them ready to go if you're going to be running in the morning. And then also stack that habit per se onto another habit. So every morning when I get up, after I brush my teeth, I'm going to go out and do the couch to 5K program plan for that day. 
So then you're breaking it down into this is what I have to do today. I think that makes it so much more manageable. And then that really helps you to follow through with it because you have Mm -hmm. a plan of what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it. And then I would tell other people about it too. Maybe you start posting on Instagram every day when you know you say, I'm going to be posting my walks and my runs because I'm doing the Couch to 5K program. And so every morning when I get finished, I'm going to post it. And then that motivates you that you're having that public accountability or you're going to text a friend or you're going to meet up with a friend and you guys are both going to do it together. So putting all of those things in place to help you to actually follow through. Mm-hmm. That's where it actually happens versus just having to be, well, I want to run a marathon or I want to run more or even I want to complete the Couch to 5K program. Know when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it and set yourself up for success by putting that accountability in place. And then I would also say celebrate the mile markers. Mm-hmm. And so put some things in place along the way. Like you were talking about the Pomodoro method of the 20 minutes on 10 minutes off. I think that's kind of that treat that you have, you know, when I do 20 minutes, then I get this and kind of that almost instant gratification of sorts of knowing I do this short thing, then I'm going to get this reward. And so maybe it's, you know, I go out and do the couch 5k plan for the day and then I get to come back and have my coffee. You know, so setting... I was thinking ice cream, but okay. Something that you look forward to. So whatever it is that you would look forward to, I wouldn't necessarily say ice cream, but no, you was, know, something that you would look forward to, save it. Yes. So then once you've completed your task for that day, then you get to have that instant reward. So it's not just, well, when I get to the finish line in 30 days from now, mm-hmm. then... I will reward myself by saying, I did it. No, I find that for me having like every day, I try to kind of plan something near the end of the day that is something I look forward to that I really enjoy doing so that I'm like, if I get these things done, then I get to do that. And that motivates me. So again, it goes back to figuring out what motivates you, figuring out what you're excited about and cutting the goal down mm-hmm. into small pieces and calling those individually a goal, I think it makes it much more doable in the long run. One of the things I was just thinking of while you were talking, um, it reminds me of the speech by Stanley McChrystal about making your bed in the morning. Mm. He gave it a commencement speech at the University of Texas. And the, the basic, just the speech was start small, give yourself small victories in the morning when you get up, there's not any power of just making your bed. It's just making your bed, but it's the first thing that gets done and it sets you up for success for the rest of the day. And just a small thing, but it's actually a huge thing mentally. Well, and I feel like you do that one good habit and it breeds the next good habit. Mm -hmm. It kind of motivates you. Well, now that my bed's made, I'm going to go exercise. And well, now that I exercised, I'm going to drink a big glass of water. And now that I drink a big glass of water, I'm going to have a little bit of quieter. It, it just, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of starts this forward momentum, good habits breed good habits. And so start small and stick with it and follow through. And it will have that domino effect over all sorts of areas of your life. We'd love to hear from you as always. If you have thoughts, 
with this email and ideas, things that have helped you figure out your goal setting personality and how to stick with a goal, set a goal, stick with it and follow through with it. Send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 